The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to the Saturday afternoon pre-recorded broadcast to shoot from the hip. I'm Jeff Pedro, in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Bay Area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can call us at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop down and see us during our limited hours, which are basically 12 to 4. Monday through Saturday, with the exception of this weekend, we will be closed this coming Saturday for some maintenance that we're having done while we have the time over this break. But generally, next week, beginning next Monday, Monday through Saturday, 12 to 4 p.m., you can stop down and see us, and we'd be more than glad to talk with you about any of your firearms-related needs or interests. Speaking of the limited hours, um, many of you are probably aware of the fact that many businesses are closed down altogether. But because of the need for Firearms manufacturers, ammunition manufacturers, shooting ranges to be open for the safety and security of the, the population. We are able to stay open as long as we comply with the, uh, the spacing and distancing requirements that they've set forth at both the, the state and the federal level, and we're doing everything we can to make sure that happens at our facility. The mere fact that we have uh, limited hours to 12 to 4, basically four hours a day, and we're only allowing our members to come in and shoot, that keeps a lot of the traffic down. Our main focus over this period of time is trying to get many of you, many of you people out there who have went out and bought a new firearm, no matter what it is, a revolver, a semi-automatic pistol, a rifle, or a shotgun, we want to get you the training that you need so you can develop a level of uh, safe handling, and comfort and confidence in handling the gun. So in the event that you have to use the gun for personal safety or self-defense, you're able to do so in a safe and efficient manner. And that's a big thing. Um, there are a lot of people who stop down to the range, and I know there are way, 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 way more people who have went out and just bought guns without even giving any thought to training. Some of them might have been just impulse motivated by the fear that they felt about where the the country's going and what might happen if there's a breakdown of society as we know it. Some might have been told by other people they better go out and get a gun. Uh, some others, I hope, were, uh, I hope the majority of people were told by people who are gun owners that they should go out and get a gun and then learn how to use the gun or go to a place like our, our place at Sim Trainer and learn how to shoot a gun let them help you in the process. Well, that didn't happen that way because there was just a frenzied buying period for about a month to a month and a half since about mid to late February through March, and it's continuing actually through April. The problem is there aren't a whole lot of uh, firearms in the supply line. Um, if you remember, those of you who have listened to our show and if you're new to our show, um, that's what we talk about here. That's one of the topics we talk about. And just uh, as, as recently as three months ago, just before Christmas, I had said several times on the air that if you're looking to buy a gun, looking to buy ammo, accessories, whatever it is gun-related, um, last year up through December and into the early part of this year was the time to get it because they were in abundant supply and you could get pretty much anything you wanted, but that's not the case now. And it's strictly supply and demand right now. The manufacturers are pumping stuff out as quick as they can. Federal has committed to beginning April. Federal is an ammunition uh, manufacturer, one of the largest in the, in the world, let alone in the country. They've committed to 24-7 operation to try to get ammunition on a regular basis. 
Um, they are doing the best they can, but because of demand, they're having a hard time keeping up, keeping supply. So, uh, for example, people call our shop on a daily basis wanting 9mm. Well, it's so low that I'm restricting the sale of 9mm ammunition to only our members, and that's on a limited capacity so that they can shoot it when they come into practice uh, once they come to the range. So everybody's kind of in that same situation. And uh, um, I, I want you to know that just three months ago, you could have got anything you wanted. But right now, it's going to be very difficult. So if you come in and you get some training, which I recommend you do, if you're still thinking about getting a gun, I would recommend you get us, uh, give us a call here at the range at 937-293-3914. And if you don't reach us during open hours, we'll be more than glad to call you back. And we'll try to set up an individual or small group lesson so that we can teach you how to safely handle and efficiently fire and do all the things you need to, to do uh, about a gun that you've already purchased or you're thinking about purchasing, or maybe you don't have any idea what kind you want, we can let you decide that based on what we let you shoot. And we have many of the most popular guns currently um, on the market, and we'll let you shoot a variety until you find out uh, what you want. That's what we've kind of changed our focus to because you do not have, as we mentioned on previous, uh, previous shows, you do not need a concealed handgun license in order to buy a gun and keep it with you at home loaded for personal safety and self-defense. And that also extends to a private business that you might own if it's your business and you don't have any prohibition against people having, or you obviously having a gun there. Obviously, you can have a gun in your own business if that's the case. We have several people who are in that situation. The big thing comes is that you can't transport a loaded firearm from your home to your business or from your business to your home unless you have a concealed handgun license. So, the benefit of having the license is there aren't many restrictions, but understand in this short term, if your primary concern, since you're locked up at home except when you go to the store anyway, is to get a gun for personal safety, in just two short hours, we can get you to a level of comfort and confidence so that whatever gun you end up buying, you can have ready at hand in a safe manner and be able to use it um, if an event that situation uh, warrants that. So you can come in and you don't have to get your concealed handgun license and sit through an eight-hour class. Our classes are limited because of numbers, so um, we only have 10 total people in a class, so we can't. Uh, we normally would have 20, and we'd probably fill every class from now through to the end of this uh, uh, situation that we're going through, but we're keeping it at 10, and we're going to fill those, and um, we're going to get people through, and the people that are just interested in getting a gun and being able to shoot a gun, we're going to go ahead and uh, get you through. We're doing private lessons throughout the week and try to get you to that level, so Whatever's going to work for you, um, get a hold of us and let us help guide you in that process rather than just running out. Um, in our concealed carry class, Mark spends a lot of time talking about the elements of uh, in Ohio uh, of the deadly force provisions of the law. And, uh, Mark, why don't you talk just a little bit about the importance of that section of the class? Because a lot of people, they take these online classes, and that's one thing that I'm sure that is terribly they tell people to read it. Well, I'm not sure many of them do, but certainly in class, you spend a lot of time discussing it, breaking it down, and giving them examples. Probably the most important part in terms of when is it appropriate to use deadly force, there are three parameters that have to be met for you to use deadly force to defend yourself, and that is that you didn't start the situation, that you had a reasonable and honest belief that you had an immediate risk of serious bodily harm or death, and serious bodily harm does include sexual assault. And then third, you have to fulfill any duty to retreat. The Castle Doctrine means that you don't have a duty to retreat in your home or in your own vehicle, but that's only the residence. It doesn't include 
detached buildings, uh, outbuildings or a detached garage. In my case, I park in the driveway. So between the garage and my vehicle is not included in the castle doctrine or the yard around it. It only includes inside one of those two places. The same parameters apply to defense of another, except they apply to the person you're defending. And the first one is especially, as we've just discussed, the defense of property. Defense of property can never justify the use of deadly force. Jeff mentioned the house and something that's just been remodeled and it's in great shape. Another one that gets people a little bit more is animals. Animals are always considered property. You're not allowed to use deadly force to defend property, and that includes animals. A lot of people think of their animals as part of their family, but that is not included in the justified use of deadly force. You can't use deadly force to defend property only, which includes rental property that you're renovating, and you cannot use uh, deadly force to defend animals. Yeah, and Mark, it's so important that people understand that. In our concealed carry class, I tell people all the time, it's not about learning how to shoot guns. It's learning about the serious responsibility of owning, carrying, and potentially using a gun in self-defense. We hope and we encourage people to get gun training before they come to our concealed carry class. Now, the state requires eight hours, and in that eight-hour class, they give us a lot of latitude as to the specific um, content, but uh, we have to have six contact hours in the classroom and two contact hours on the range. The two hours on the range are devoted to how do you hold the gun, how do you aim the gun, how do you shoot the gun, how do you unload it, how do you make it safe, how do you clear malfunctions, how do you shoot it proficiently. Believe it or not, that's the easiest part for the class, of the class for us. Getting people to understand that serious responsibility and being convinced because part of when we sign off on that certificate, we're, we're basically signing off not only can they handle the gun safely and efficiently, but that they're responsible in the handling of the gun and that they're a responsible, per, responsible person moving forward. Now, there are people who ask all kinds of questions, and I understand that. And many of the questions, as Mark mentioned, have to do with, well, what if somebody is out in the yard and my dog is barking at them and they attack my dog. Again, dogs are treated as property. I know there's people out there who don't like to hear that. I understand that, but understand that's not the case. The example I gave earlier, somebody who owns property, let's say you bought a brand new pickup truck and the pickup truck's parked 10 feet from your garage and somebody breaks into your pickup truck in the middle of the night and you hear it going on, you can't use deadly force to stop them from stealing the pickup truck. Could you yell out the house and say, hey, get out of there. What are you doing? Yeah, but it's not a good idea to go out there with the gun because then you put yourself in a totally different situation. The best thing to do is just observe through a window what's going on, call the police, let the police do their job. Now, that brings me to another point. Many people have talked to me or at least had discussions online with kind of the the way police are doing business right now, and it's unfortunate the way the world is, police officers are very vulnerable, probably more vulnerable than the typical person except for the, the medical workers when it comes to exposure because of the circumstances they're required to go into. Well, with uh, Cincinnati, I'll use an example, and only because I happened to see a write-up in the paper the other day uh, online that uh, they're only responding to certain criminal acts, some of them not even assaults as long as there's no injury requiring hospital treatment. They're not going to respond. They're going to take information over the phone, and then they're going to put it on the back burner, and maybe they'll get to it whenever they can. And we understand that that's going on. The bottom, then you add to that some areas, some municipalities, some jurisdictions, some states, some counties are letting droves of criminals out of jail. Um, I don't know what the circumstances are. I would imagine there's some kind of uh, 
um, you owe me back. Once this is all over, you've got to come back and you've got to serve the remainder of your sentence. I don't know what it is. We're not even going to get into that. But the bottom line is some of these people being released, they have the propensity towards future criminal activity because uh, the people that go to jail aren't usually the first-time offenders. Contrary to popular belief, people think that uh, people go to jail because they smoke a marijuana joint or people go to the jail because they do some other minor crime. They steal from a, a grocery store or something. People that go to jail usually have some baggage with them, and that baggage is a criminal history, and it's a succession of crimes that basically leave the judge no option but to incarcerate them. So these people are getting back out on the street, and they really have nothing to lose. I'm, as a 30-year law enforcement officer, there are people being released from prison right now who will look at it as, hey, an opportunity to get reintegrated back in society, and maybe they can do something productive and have some uh, – serve a valuable role as part of their family. Others are saying, hey, it's, it's free game. Whatever I can get into, going to go right back to their gang or their drug activity and, and game on. So I'm sure that's one of the reasons when we talk about fear, why people are getting a gun, they realize that those kinds of people are getting out there. But think about this situation. Um, I know some people are concerned about the breakdown of society, and when people are traveling from point A to point B, they're stopped in a uh, a traffic light, and this kind of played out in the, the L.A. riots after the Rodney King incident in 1992 where a truck driver was just stopped at a red light, and all of a sudden he was, his truck was assaulted by multiple people. He couldn't go anywhere. They drug him up, and they beat him to oblivion. They didn't kill him, but they critically injured him to the point where he had to have brain surgery, and I imagine he's got lifelong complications as a result of that. Um, in the, after the, the Michael Brown incident in St. Louis in one of the suburbs of Ferguson, um, same situation. Some people turned down a wrong street. They were stopped at a light. Their car was assaulted and attacked by several people. They drug them out and beat them, stole the car, uh, extensive physical injuries. I am sure people think of those things when things like this happen. They're worried about the degradation, the breakdown of our societal structure, the, the absence of the law enforcement, and what that's going to entail. So those are the things you got to think about. And those are the kinds of discussions that we have in the concealed carry class, and we would be glad to have with you on an individual private basis. Um, when we're live on the radio, if you call in and you have a scenario, or if you want to just uh, send us an email, um, we'd be more than glad to, at, on a subsequent show over the next several weeks, discuss some of the issues you might have. Like, what if this happened? Or I had a person who was involved in this. I've always wondered, if this happens, then what can I do if I believe this? And there's a lot of variables you've got to understand. The key factor is whether you believe, as Mark mentioned, your life or someone else's life is in eminent jeopardy. We can have that discussion. We'd be more than glad to do that. Just send us the email, and we'll be give, glad to get back with you as soon as we can. So you can go to our website at sim-trainer.com. Click on the contact link, send us a message, and then we'll get those back to you uh, or include them in the next show when we do next time. All right, we're going to take our first break for the hour, and we'd love for you to come back and join us after this continue. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and because we're not sure exactly when they're going to air the show, if you're a new listener to Shooting from the Hip, we welcome you. Shooting from the Hip is a uh, radio show devoted to guns and everything about guns, whether it be legislation, purchasing a gun, 
um, whatever, getting training, whatever the case might be, we want to we consider ourselves to be the authoritative source here in the Dayton in the Dayton area, and we want to give you the opportunity to uh, ask questions if you want to do that while we're doing these pre-recorded broadcasts. If you just send us an email, Mark, tell them how they can send us an email if they have a question. Sure. The easiest way to do that is to just go to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link and fill in the form. And that will send us an email to let us know what it is you'd like to talk about or whatever question you have. And then what we will do is on subsequent shows, we will bring up the question and provide you with an answer because many of the questions you might have are questions that other people may also have. So we want to make sure that we're still able to reach out to our listeners. And maybe if you're a new listener, you have a particular question. Maybe And don't worry if it's been asked before because we have a potentially new audience with the different times that we're um, uh, going to be uh, broadcast. And, well, and the other thing is that if you have a question that doesn't have a general applicability, feel free to send us that information, and we will try to get those questions answered as well. We're happy to answer those questions, and anything that you send us is held in complete confidence. Nothing that we put on the air would include your name unless you specifically want us to, which, of course, you could tell us that. A couple things I just wanted to mention. Uh, last week I talked about uh, record gun sales over the last month, and we finally got some preliminary data. Um, preliminary data indicates that there were a record number, $2.5 million, million guns sold in the month of March. That was, believe it or not, up 85% from this time last year, 85% from March of 2019. There were 3.7 million background checks conducted, and that was almost half a million more than the 3.3 million uh, record that was set in December of 2015. Now, as Mark and I discussed right before the show, um, the difference between the 3.7 million background checks and the 2.5 million guns sold is uh, people will have to go through, in many cases, um, two background checks. Uh, they'll have to go get uh, a background check when they buy a gun, and then they have to get another background check when they uh, go to get their concealed handgun license. Some people um, already have guns, and they just went and got their concealed handgun license, and they were required to go through a background check. So that's why there was a, almost a $1.2 million, million more background checks that were conducted rather than actual guns sold. So the, the system was heavy, and as we reported last week, it was overloaded. In addition to the high volume, the, the NICS, the FBI uh, criminal uh, check system, was uh, also faced with a situation where they had to send employees home, maintain social distancing. They were understaffed, and when you add the understaffing to the overload, um, they've done a remarkable job, I just have to say. I know there was a lot of frustration because they got an un, probably a record number of delays. And the reason you get delays is somebody has something um, when you submit somebody's name, and it's typically a fairly common name. We'll use the name, and if there's a person out there, I apologize if I'm insulting you, but let's say your name is Bill Jones. Well, Bill Jones is probably um, more common than many other names. It's certainly more common than Jeff Pedro, but there might be some other Bill Joneses out there who live in the state of Ohio that, for whatever reason, something in their past flagged, and they couldn't do all the, the checks. They typically go name, first name, middle name, last name, date of birth, then they throw in Social Security number if it's provided because it's not, provi it's not required to be provided, their place of birth, where they live now, and they do checks. Well, some of that requires hand checks 
um, or an individual to submit additional supplemental data into another computer, and they just didn't have the people that were able to do that. And as a result, people got a delay. And I had people, as I mentioned uh, the last two shows, I had people who had top-secret security clearances out at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base who were getting uh, delayed. And again, it was more because of their common name and because of the um, situation rather than anything in their background. Now, all but one of them has been rectified. Now, the way that works in the state of Ohio, uh, is, uh, actually in the federal system, is if you get a delay, if they don't respond to you within three business days, and that doesn't include weekends, you're allowed to transfer the gun, and then there might be a subsequent um, it'll just be open, or there'll be a subsequent finding that they might have been denied. Now, if it's an open case, we're allowed as, as fire, licensed firearms dealers to transfer that gun after that three business day requirement to the individual. However, one case in, in all my years, a person later, several weeks later, got uh, a denial. I called the person. Um, they brought the gun back here. I took possession of the firearm that I released. It was actually five days, I believe, after the um, two days beyond what, what I was required to do, and they voluntarily brought the gun back here. They said, I have no idea what it was, and they found out that it was something that occurred way, way back, almost 50 years prior that caused the situation, and they had to get an attorney, get that matter rectified, and I really don't know what happened because he called me later on and, and told me he wasn't going to go through the process and pay all the money, and then uh, uh, we just uh, sold the gun to somebody else at that point. So um, there are cases where information doesn't, uh, doesn't get provided, but that's kind of how the system works. All right, we're going to take our break now and go into the news. We'd love for you to stick with us after the news. We'll be back here with more Shooting from the Hip with Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. And if you're new to Shooting from the Hip, Shooting from the Hip is broadcast on Saturdays from 2 to 3, except during uh, this period of time of quite a bit of uncertainty uh, because of the conferences updating people on the coronavirus pandemic in the, in the state of Ohio in particular. Uh, there have been news conferences that are held, so I don't know if you're listening to the broadcast at 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock or later, but whenever you are, we're glad you're listening. Um, again, this is a show all about guns and gun-related topics and uh, we can pretty much handle any of that if you want to. If you have a question about something you might have heard when you were listening maybe for the first time today, you can just go to our our website and uh, you can send us an email and say, "Hey, I I heard you say this or that, and I have a question about it." We'll be more than glad to answer it in a subsequent show. But uh, on the break, I was just talking to Mark about some of the things that have been happening around the country in relation to the pandemic and the more or less violation of the Second Amendment. Uh, there have been many states that have uh, infringed upon not only the, the firearms retailers' um, uh, right to, to do business, but also, uh, in the, more importantly, the Second Amendment rights of individuals to, to buy firearms for personal safety and self-protection. Well, let's start with some good news. Initially, one of the first states that weighed in was Illinois. Of all the places where you would include firearms and ammunition sales as the support of that as a critical resource. And to include those as a critical of function, you wouldn't necessarily expect that to be Illinois. 
But that is one of the states that stepped out right away and included that. It has since been included in the federal guidelines as well. So those are all good news items. We, of course, have the firearms and ammunition included in the guidance for the critical resource in Ohio that firearms and ammunition is included. For those of us in this area, that's really good news. There are some other states that have done the opposite, states that have said, well, we're going to close all the gun stores, close all the ranges, not going to allow anyone to purchase firearms. All the activities having to do with firearms are going to be considered non-essential. We have stopped any recreational activities here at Sim Trainer, so we don't have a recreational league. We don't have the bowling pin league that we normally do on Monday evenings every other week. We don't have our leagues uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, but partly because we've closed that down because the size of the space, the, uh, the proximity that people just have to be in as they're waiting for their turn to shoot, and we don't want anyone sharing this uh, accidentally. We... So just based on the configuration of the range, it would be difficult for us to do that and keep the separation that would be needed. The range is still available for our members to come and keep their skills fresh to be, main, uh, be able to maintain the skill set and the uh, muscle memory that needs to be in case you would ever have to use that firearm in a deadly force situation. Then we want to make sure that everybody is able to uh, be properly safe and able to handle their firearm. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy ex uh, executed a, an emergency order on March 21st that closed pretty much everything except those that were identified essential and gun stores were not included as essential where liquor stores and pet stores were considered essential functions. So when they don't consider the Second Amendment to be on the same level as the First Amendment or the Fourth Amendment or Fifth Amendment or Sixth Amendment or Eighth Amendment, all of these are enumerated rights guaranteed in the Constitution, not created by the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, but guaranteed there to keep the government from infringing on your right to keep and bear arms. I've considering it a blessing that at least in Ohio we still do recognize, even though it may be a tenuous connection, there still is a connection to the Constitution. Well, Mark, that brings up a good point. I have to believe that some of these decision makers are sitting behind closed doors, and that has to be a topic that comes up because violating the Second Amendment is a serious infringement. When public people in public office, you as a military um, officer, me as a police officer, we swear an oath to uphold the Constitution. Well, included in that oath is to uphold the Second Amendment. So when you, when you start imposing restrictions on individuals' ability to, to enjoy the freedom of, of, of the, you know, what the Second Amendment entails, um, you're, you're committing a criminal act. Bottom line, there's sections of the, um, the, the federal statutes, I believe it's section 1983, deprivation of civil rights, and that would certainly apply in some cases depending on the specific fact pattern. Um, to take Now think about this. There are people out there, even if they haven't thought much about guns, they say, why do people need a gun? Why do you need a gun? Well, you can think that, but the bottom line is it doesn't matter 
what your answer is. It only matters what my answer is or the other people's answers who go out and buy guns. They have a right to buy a gun. Many of them, based on what I've heard and what I've seen, they're doing it for personal safety and self-protection because they don't know where this situation is going to go. Now, there are others who say, well, just just relax. Everything's going to be fine. In July, it's going to be back to normal. And then what are you going to do with the gun you bought? Well, number one, the gun they bought isn't going to lose any value. And number two, um, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And that's what many of them are thinking about. And we talk about sheep and sheepdogs. And let's be, let's be blunt. There are people out there who say, well, when bad things happen, I'll call the police. Well, we've already told you that the police on very limited, they're on very limited response um, requirements right now. And right now in many jurisdictions, you might have a jurisdiction of 30, 40, 50,000 people, and you only have two, three, four, five police officers and or sheriff's deputies on duty. And if situations go bad, they're going to be so strained, and many of them are going to be so interested in taking care of their own families. Let's face it, when it really gets down to something like that, are they going to stay and protect you, or are they going to be concerned about what's going on when their wife calls on the cell phone about what's going on in their neighborhood? And I don't, I'm not going to answer that. I'm just telling you these are things you need to think about. And um, when you get to talking about why should you have a gun, that's not for the people who are anti-gun or don't think you should have a gun to decide. That's for the individual who decides to have a gun to decide. And that's a decision that's probably a tough decision. Matter of fact, I know it's tough because I've had numerous people, and Mark, you know this too, they sit there before you and they can't. They say, I can't believe I'm here. One of the things we ask the people in concealed carry class, 10 years ago, would you have thought you'd have been sitting in this class in 2020? When we first opened in 2004, we asked people, 10 years ago in 1994, did you think you would be sitting in a concealed carry class in 2004? And many of them say, no, I never thought that I'd be even think about a gun. I never owned a gun, never shot a gun, and here I am. Why? Because the world's different. Well, I would argue that it's not a whole lot different. It wasn't a whole lot different then. It's just that their perception of things has changed because of the intensity or because of certain events. And, Will, and given the, type, the time that you spend in law enforcement, you have a probably much better picture of what people are capable of than some of the really horrible things that people would do than the average citizen. Some of that, of course, makes it into the 24-7 news cycle, and those can be horrific but there's a lot of it that never makes national news, whatever. You look at what's going on in Chicago, for example. The number of people that are killed in violent crimes in Chicago each year is staggering. It's a national tragedy, but it's one that rarely gets national attention. You just aren't hearing any of that information get out in any of the reports. People are almost none to... People are almost numb to these attacks happening on a regular basis. It is considered grave bodily harm. Mark, a classic example of that is sexual assault on a woman. On a woman. And you mentioned that um, when you talked about that being one of the exceptions to when you can use it's, deadly force. It is considered grave bodily harm. That's exactly right. Here, here's the point I want to mention about that. I believe that's one of the most, if not the most, horrific act that an individual could uh, commit it ranks right there with child sexual molestation and 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 murder obviously um, but what what happens is the news media for the last several years they've been obsessed with so and so being a misogynist and then just labeling that person whatever they want to label it but they've overlooked the true problems why do women come to sim trainer and want training on getting a gun because they're fearful in most cases that a man usually somebody that they knew in their past is going to do something that they've done in their past to them again that's the fact 
you, you can, and that's horrific, that a woman would have to go through her life worrying about physical assault, sexual assault from someone he, who she knew and in many cases had an intimate relationship with and in many cases had children with. And so let, let's face it, people out there, it's easy for you to say, well, nobody should have a gun. I'm not going to, well, you know what? You, you haven't walked in those people's shoes. You don't know the level of anxiety, the level of fear, the, the level of helplessness that they have. And, and I tell people, a trained person with a firearm is in a situation where the gun is the equalizer. And I'm going to use the example, and it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, but if you're five foot six, 140 pounds, and an attacker is six foot three, 300 pounds, you're at a significant disadvantage. The gun levels the playing field. In the situation where you believe your life is in eminent jeopardy, in that situation, short of you being a multiple black belt martial artist with proven track record in real-life situations, um, in many of those cases, going to the gun very quickly when you believe your life is in jeopardy would be um, totally legitimate. So I, wanna, I, I just want to emphasize the point that you kind of alluded to, Mark, and that I want to make is that people who say, why get a gun, um, if that provides them that level of comfort, knowing that if somebody comes to do harm to me or my family, I have a means to defend myself. And that's significant, and it's powerful. And I think I would add one other thing, and that is that for these people who say, why do you need a gun? It's asking the wrong question. This is not a bill of needs. Anytime you're talking about an enumerated right, you're not talking about needs. Why do I need to have a free press. Why do I need to be able to express and uh, and and exercise my religion without government interference? It's an inherent right. It's not something that was granted by the founders, but it's something that they recognized and codified into the Constitution to guarantee that the government could not infringe that, they could not stop that, they could not interfere with your ability to do any of those things that have been listed. That does include the right to keep and bear arms, which goes back to that question, why do you need a firearm? It's not relevant because it's not a bill of needs. It's a bill of rights. The Second Amendment is the only place in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights where the term necessary is referred to. The, the way the words are written it's very important, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The founders recognized that it was the liberty of the individual and the ability of the individual to defend against forces that would take away that liberty. That is what created and allowed the free state to continue, in our case, as a free republic. It's important that people understand that. I realize it doesn't get taught as much as it used to and perhaps as much as it should be in the public schools for far too long. People simply don't understand what the founders went through in order to craft the Constitution and what a brilliant document it is. Is it completely without flaw? And they didn't even purport it to be. They included in the Constitution a way to amend the document should that become necessary. But that's the key. The people have to go through the amendment process. You can't just unwrite the Constitution or ignore it or change things through legislative process when the Constitution lays a boundary around that and prevents the government from acting in those areas. And the government just says, we're going to do it anyway. Far too often we've seen where that happened. It, some of those have not yet uh, been 
gone through the check and process, the check and balance process, and it might be time for some of that. Well, Mark, we're at a crossroads right now. We're at a period of time in my life that this is the closest I've ever had to come to giving serious thought about where we as private individuals stand relative to the government that oversees what we're doing. This whole situation with the response to this virus, it's a real test that a lot of people are seeing as a, a almost a litmus test of what will you really stand for as a people. It's what we stand for. It's what the authority is based on. The pandemic, trying to prevent the spread. We understand the intentions. And I'm sure some of those legislators and some of those decision makers behind closed doors toil with this. Others, I'm concerned, just think that just because they have the power, they can make decisions and people are going to comply. There are a lot of people right now who are having more anxiety about that than they are about the virus itself. I'm telling you because I sit in circles and I talk to people who are more concerned about where things are going in that stand from that standpoint and those discussions that people are having. So I'm sure in future shows we're going to bring, bring up issues because as this evolves uh, through the spring and into the early summer, we'll see where we're at. But those are concerns people have. And, and uh, I've always been one to uh, – I'll be the first one to say it because a lot of other people are thinking it. And I think I have a pretty good uh, finger on the pulse. And we have reach – we have um, networking. that We can reach out to people to see where people are actually going with things. And we want to be able to educate you and inform you as much as we can. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. All right, we're going to take our last break for the hour, but hang with us through the break, and then we'll be back with more Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. All right, welcome back to the show. And I want to take just a few minutes here uh, right before the, the last break. We were talking about kind of where society's going and our perspective and Second Amendment and individual rights. But um, I know many of you are sitting at home and you're feeling maybe uh, lonely. I hope that's not the case. I hope that if you're by yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors are reaching out to you, you're feeling maybe helpless. You're feeling you have, you're questioning where the world's going to go. Um, uh, you're, you're fearful. Whatever the feeling is, I want to just... Kind of one of the things I've helped myself kind of cope with some of the, the issues that are going on for the last month is recently I've seen several um, uh, commercials talking about the, the movie that's uh, being released and it's played this time of year around Easter, The Passion of Christ. And uh, being a, a Christian man, I think back and I, I look at um, maybe to help us put perspective on things, we can think uh, – Maybe we're complaining about not being able to get toilet paper at the grocery store or being able to get chicken instead of beef or, or whatever it is we can or can't get or the fact that we're, we have to stay in our house and we can go out on our porch and we can't go here, we can't go there. Um, I would argue in most cases minor inconvenience contour, can, compared to the sincere hardships that he endured in the last days of his life. I'm talking about Jesus' last days on earth, what he went through, the pain, the suffering, was was just atrocious. Up through the crucifixion. Up through the crucifixion. And, and you know, it, he did it for us. And so if you can sit back and, and just put some perspective there and say, my goodness, it's nothing compared to what he endured. And he did it for us. And he did it so that we can have eternal life and that our sins can be forgiven and that we can sit here and be able to 
work through this situation, and, and it will have an ending. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, the, the world's greatest generation, the, the soldiers um, who fought in World War II and the family members back here who are doing kind of what many people are doing now. They're kind of gathering together and they're coming to the aid of the country to do what's needed to win the war. And this is a war against this virus. And you think, and I, and I think I watched movies over the years. I, I, I watch just because I want to honor the soldiers who endured so much. Um, Guadalcanal. They went months in mud up to their knees. Their, it was so muddy that their boots came off and their socks came off and they were entrenched in, in, in just mud foxholes and the enemy kept coming and coming and coming and they were waiting for support and supplies and it didn't come and it didn't come and their food was running low and they, they lived in terrible conditions. And then you think about the Battle of the Bulge out in the middle of a freezing cold winter in Belgium or somewhere over in Europe. And it was the, probably the, the turning point of the war, I think they say. It was a, a significant several months of cold, dug in in uh, um, hard ground foxholes, the wind blowing, the snow blowing, the onslaught of constant bombardment, and they endured. And they were able to endure and come back here. And some talk about it, some don't talk about it. But again, who'd they do it for? Us. They did it protect the liberty that had been earned for us by their ancestors and their predecessors and to do it on behalf of those who would follow. We fall on that generation. It's a real question now. Will we have the same country available for our future generations that they have earned for us? And our children and our grandchildren will look back and they will say, look what we did and look what our parents did during these very trying times. And, and again, we, we don't know the, the volume or the significance of, or, or the magnitude of what we're going to go through from now until whenever. But that's how we'll be judged. Uh, many of the past, much of the past will be wiped out. And they'll look at this period of time from late February, early March, until whenever we're to the point where we resume, we resume some semblance of normalcy in this country, and they'll say, what did you do individually, and what did society do collectively to advance our purpose and our being and our existence here? And I just say, when you start to get to feeling down, there's a lot of people who have it worse than us. Just reflect on that. Pray about it. I, I wish well for everybody. I want everybody to come through this with, with good health, and, and uh, um, it's just a tough situation. The money part of it, we'll all deal with that. Every one of us will deal with that. And those of you that are suffering the most, I hope the government, whoever, our friends, family, reach out and take care of you. We will get through this, but just sit back and think about what other people are going through or have gone through in the past. We now have another month of this. Just this week, uh, the lockdowns were extended for uh, the end of the month, all the way through the end of the month. So the stay-at-home order still applies. Uh, we will be here. We will be coming back to you Next Saturday, at whatever time we air, we hope that you'll stick to us, stick stick with us through our website at sim-trainer.com. And if you have any information that uh, you'd like to include in the show, please email us. We will get that information into our next show, uh, Shooting from the Hip, on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.